This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Oh boy, guys. It is good to be here. So the last time that I spoke here, it was at the missions uh, convention. And so it is so good that there's electricity right now. So I get to see your faces, and it's so good to see you. Uh, Carrie and I, (laughs) we're going to the Amazon, and, you know, there's not a lot of electricity there either, so we're used to it. It'll be fine. But uh, we are so glad to be here. Uh, I want to be known as a man of faith, and I I shared that story with him about uh, God uh, just doing this big thing, promoting our faith. I want to be known as a man of prayer, believing and having expectation that God will do what he says he will. And so uh, for me, I, I just want to, I want to do that right now. So I just want to pray for you and I want to pray for this moment right now. Lord, I love you and I thank you that you are good. You are wonderful and you are faithful to us. And so Lord, as I speak, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your heart communicated. Lord, I know that each person in this room, you set up a divine appointment because there are things that you want to speak to them today. So God, move in hearts, move in lives, transform us into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, As I said, I am super thrilled to be here. Uh, The reason being is that Church on the Rock, it's a little different. And I mean that in the best way. My wife, she started nudging me and she started saying, make sure you tell them what I told you earlier. And the truth is, is that we travel a lot. We've been going to a lot of churches. For the past year, we've been you know, traveling over the United States, sharing about missions, sharing about our calling. And this place, it's a little different. Your pastors. Do you guys know your pastors? Do you know Brian? Do you know Carmen? <laughs> they are awesome. <laughs> right? Am I right? <laughs> and so... Every time I've spelt, every time that I've spent time with Brian, I felt so loved. I felt so taken care of. And as we were in here uh, worshiping this, this morning, it just, again, it feels so much like home. It feels like such a blessing to be able to come and not just give, but also receive from the presence of God in such a great place to get to meet so many great people. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Now, Brian, he asked me to bring the word. And I am so excited. I'll tell you this. Uh, Brian, he gave me permission to be myself. So I want to give you permission to be yourself. Uh, I'm from Virginia. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit crazier there. People are a little louder. Sometimes they, they handle snakes, whatever. You know, you, you do what you want. I'm not going to judge you. I, I've seen it all. So if, if you want to shout, if you want to laugh, I'm not that funny, but whatever. I, I trust you. So uh, today I want to bring the word. And uh, I think I do it best of uh, being myself, and that will be sharing about some of the calling that's on my life and sharing about the calling that God has for each and every one of you. So um, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't necessarily going to say this, but as during that last song, I, I thought about how I, how I came to this conclusion that God had more for me. I went on a missions trip when I was 16 years old. I went to, to Ecuador, to the city there, and uh, that trip impacted me. God spoke to me when I was there, and it changed my life. 
Now, I came back, you know, I, I came back to school. I graduated high school. I, I pursued a career. I started doing construction. I started doing electrical. And eventually, uh, I found myself uh, installing weapon systems on, on aircraft carriers for, for the military. And as I was there, I, I knew that there was more that God had for me. And I remember uh, uh, my friend presenting this idea of, you should go to Bible school. You know God has more for you. And as I was uh, at the Norfolk Naval Base, I was standing on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier. I remember God speaking to me something. That you've been working and you've been helping make weapons of war. But Josh, you are going to help create spiritual war. And so as, as we were singing that song today, I thought about this church and I felt like that word is for you, that this church here in Huntley, Illinois is not just to create weapons of war, but to make spiritual warfare. Amen. That I believe that this church is for, it's something special. There's something different here. And as I look at this crowd, I know that there, there are key people that are put in key positions to create warfare in the lives of their family, to create warfare in the lives of their coworkers in the surrounding areas. So uh, I just believe that's for you guys. Um, anyway, that was a bunny trail. But as I, uh, I ended up coming to Rockford, I came to a Bible school. I, I became licensed as a pastor. Later got invited on a church staff where I became their missions manager. I led a team to um, Ecuador. Again, I'd been there previously, but this time I went to the Amazon, and this is in 2009. So... Um, I want to tell you a real quick story about this. We, we drove to O'Hare. From there, it was an eight-hour flight. We, we landed in Ecuador. There we got on an off-road vehicle and went 20 hours into the jungle. 20 hours. There we came to a river. There was a little port there. And uh, the, the team that I brought, we, we all loaded into a canoe. And we went upriver for six hours. From there, <laughs> we landed on a, a very muddy little beach. And we hiked two miles into the jungle. Till we came to a village. This village was called Libertad. Libertad. It was called that because that means freedom. This village was called that because the, the pastor, the indigenous pastor that overseed it, saw this as a key point to bring spiritual freedom to the people of the jungle. So we went to this village and, uh, I, I tell you how far it was and, and the, the distance and all that type of thing because I want you to know how far I was from clean water and a hot shower. <laughs> and so uh, after we've been doing work, uh, the steaminess of the jungle, it was taking its toll on the one stick of deodorant that four of us were sharing. <laughs> and so uh, at, at nighttime, you know, a few nights into it, I realized that I could not sleep. Not because I was hearing, you know, jungle sounds. It was because not only could I smell myself, but I could smell the other guys that were around me. And I couldn't sleep. So um, I made up my mind that the next day after we got done working, we need to get cleaned up. So we hiked out of the jungle. We went to that same river we had canoed up. And uh, there, there was actually a, a young boy that had his canoe there. And so he took us to the other side of the river where it wasn't so muddy to the sandbar. And there we, we, we got ourselves clean. We washed off. Now, um, there's something that happens when young men get together. 
And for those of you, maybe you've been a young man or maybe you, you have raised a young man, you know that when young men get together, there's like a chemical or something in the brain that shifts that, that causes them to be less intelligent. <laughs> in fact, you know, the more guys that get together, the better the idea sounds. So after I uh, got myself clean, we we're all ready to go. I had an idea. <laughs> And um, this idea was, I'm going to swim across this river, one of the main rivers that feeds into the Amazon. And this idea was so good that I was able to talk two other guys into it with me. <laughs> so we set out. We, we left our dry clothes in the canoe. Uh, it would meet us on the other side. We, the water went from waist deep to, to neck deep. And there I, I began to swim. And I realized that this is a lot easier a lot easier than I was thinking because the current, it began to take me to the center of the river. From there, I had another realization that the current was holding me in the center of the river. <laughs> um, I also had completely forgotten that three weeks prior, I had fractured my collarbone. So as I'm trying to swim like this, I have another realization. I'm going to die. <laughs> So I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't swim like that. Uh, I started to hyperventilate. I started to lose my breath. I was trying to keep my cool. So I eventually got onto my back. So just my face was sticking up out of the water. And I'm doing this thing, trying to swim towards the shore. And so I'm looking over my head and I'm swimming with all that I have. And uh, I, I, I think I'm going to die. And as I'm looking over my head, I see that there is a, a group of natives from one of the villages that are there, and they're watching me go by as I'm, as I'm trying to swim. And they have a realization. This skinny white boy, he's probably going to die. <laughs> so as I'm, I'm swimming with all that I have, I, uh, I happen to see that there are some, some small trees or sticks that are sticking up out of the water. In fact, there was flooding that was going on. I think, oh, if I can just make it to this tree, maybe I'll have something to hang on to. I can take a break. So as I'm swimming, I, I get to this tree, and I realize that it's taking just as much energy to hold on in the current as it is for me to swim. So in my mind, I think, okay, what if I just get up out of the water a little bit? Maybe I climb this tree a little. And as I, I'm looking around, uh, I see the natives have walked down the river a little bit, and they're looking at me. They're not just looking at me. They're also doing this. <laughs> now, I don't know their language. <laughs> but in most cultures, this means the same thing. <laughs> and so I don't know the words that they were saying to me, but there were words that were coming out. And so in English, some words do translate. And the word they kept saying was boa. <laughs> boa. That's right. <laughs> so as I'm looking up into the tree that I'm about to climb, I see some kind of boa or serpent up there. And so I have the decision to make. Do I climb a tree with a snake that doesn't know my language? that I haven't made friends with? <laughs> or do I keep swimming? <laughs> I kept swimming. <laughs> By the grace of the Lord, I made it to the other side. <laughs> I, uh, I fell face down in the mud on the bank on the other side, and I was at least six times as dirty as when I first left. <laughs> and so there's this thing that happens for, for, for men uh, both young and old, that there's a certain amount of shame that accompanies failure. 
And I was so glad that it was just the guys with me that I was comfortable, you know, getting clean with. Of course, a point that, uh, upon that point, I, I had a realization <laughs> that I wasn't alone, alone. I was, in fact, surrounded by some of these indigenous people as I lay face down in the mud. <laughs> I also realized that it wasn't just uh, these indigenous men and women. It was also all the young women from our team that they had also come down to the river to get clean now too. Upon that, I had uh, another thought, and that was, I'm in my underwear. (laughs) And my clothes are on the other side of the river. Finally, one last realization. I should have just died. Some things, some things that we try and do in life, we're not ready for. We haven't always prepared for what's ahead. I know I didn't prepare to swim across the Amazon, but to have success, there has to be preparation. For us to have success in our lives, there has to be a time of preparation. I think about last year, you know, some of us, we watched the Olympics, and we we saw a lot of people that were a lot better swimmers than me. We saw... Michael Phelps break record after record. And so we see the highlights of those moments, but the truth is, is that uh, in those moments, that's just the highlight. There was, there was days and years, all of these things where they were swimming alone by themselves. No one cheering for them. It was a time of preparation. And so throughout our lives, God is training and equipping us. The same is true for you. The experiences that are you are having are shaping your future, that God is training and equipping you. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about the, the group that we're going to work with. They are called the Shwar. They are a sect of the Alkas. The Shwar are known for being brutal. They were known for being violent. Their claim to fame is that they were never conquered not by the Spanish conquistadors or anyone like that. They were never conquered. In fact, they're known for being headhunters. If you've ever heard of shrunken heads, well, these are the lovely people that came up with that. (laughs) So um, luckily they look a little different now. Shrinking heads isn't legal. (laughs) Uh, They luckily for us wear a few more clothes. But uh, I I tell you about their brutality because I want you to understand the mindsets in which they're raised in the environment that they're raised in. To this day, uh, these men and women, these natives, the Shwar, they still live uneducated in rural villages. The men, they live just to survive each day, being hunters and gatherers. The women, they live their lives in service. Many of them are exploited. In their culture, they're viewed as commodities and not as equals. And so here... It's very much like over there in the the United States, we have mindsets about others. I think about, you know, I said, I'm from Virginia and my family, they talked about the people of West Virginia pretty poorly, that they don't wear shoes, that they go to the bathroom outside, that they don't have electricity. And, you know, here we we think about the people who like the Packers and we we think about them maybe the same way. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) My wife lived in Green Bay. We're, we're a Packer family. I just want to say that. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, we have mindsets. And 
the truth is, is these, these indigenous tribes are seen as inferior. And so there's been little evangelism by the modern locals. Now, while the Shwar, their claim to fame is that they've never been conquered, well, no group of men, no armies, no country has ever been able to conquer them. There's been one man that has. His name is Jesus Christ. And so some of these Shwar, they've had divine encounters with the God of creation. These men and women have seen the love of God and it's changed them. Uh, I want to read to you a verse. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It says this. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Christ love, his love, it conquers all. God can conquer the obstacles that you face. He can conquer the obstacles in your marriage, in your children that might not be serving the Lord. The things that you face at work, Christ love conquers all. God is calling each and every one of us. He's speaking directly to you as well. It says this in Acts, Acts 13, 47. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Today, you have to find out what your ends of the earth is. For, for me and my family, it's, it's the jungle. That's our ends of the earth. But for you, maybe it's that long lost cousin that walked away from the family. For you, maybe it's that, that person at work that has said, you know, I don't want anything to do with you, you Christian. Maybe it's something else, but you have to determine what the ends of your earth is and you have to pursue that. Um, a great man, uh, he wrote these words in his journal and this was the journal that he used to document his study of scripture and also uh, his prayers. He said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. You may have heard that quote before. It was by a man named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a, a missionary that him, Nate Saints, and four other men, they were martyred. They were killed by the Alka Indians, the tribe that they were, were trying to share the gospel with. And these men, uh, they died for their faith. And some of you, you've probably heard that story. You heard about Jim Elliott or Nate Saints, but I don't think you've heard about Eduardo. And now he's Pastor Eduardo. He's from a village called Makuma, which is right near where all of this happened. And so Eduardo and his father, as he, Eduardo was a child, he found the bodies of Jim Elliott, Nate Saints, and these other missionaries. And so it was through this experience of seeing these men give their lives to show the love of Christ that Eduardo decided he wanted to give of his life to carry that love even further. Uh, Eduardo walks eight miles to church every Sunday. Now, uh, that, that sounds like a lot to me, and it might, probably sounds like a lot to you, but uh, he's 70 years old, to put it in perspective. <laughs> And he does that because he wants a fresh touch. He wants a fresh anointing because the next day on Monday, he walks to the surrounding communities and shares the gospel with them. Um, I, I won't get into all of it, but he is so faithful to the Lord that God honors him in his prayers and his ministry. The sick are healed. Uh, when there was a young boy, uh, he was bit by this, one of the most deadly snakes in South America. It was one of the fifth, or fifth whatever. All that to say is... Um, when Carrie and I were there last time, 
he brought this young boy to church as a testimony of what God did because the child didn't receive antivenom or anything like that. They simply prayed and believed. You see, where people are desperate, they will desperately seek God. And so what are you desperate for? Are you desperate for the lives of your friends? Are you desperate for the lives of your family? This is Romans chapter 10, verse 13, starting in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on one they've not believed in? How can they believe in one whom they not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? God is sending you today. God is sending you. I shared that story about me almost drowning because I wanted to paint a picture of this village where I was at. And I shared a little bit of this uh, when I was here at the missions conference. But we did lots of projects there. Uh, Many of the children we found out they die before age four because they acquire disease. They acquire parasites. So as we were treating kids for parasites, we we thought to ourselves, well, they're just going to get sick from the water again. So we made the decision that we would dig a well. It took the whole duration of the trip minus one day to dig a well by hand. And that was the, the main focus for me. While everyone else was doing Bible school or all these different things, I, I got to dig a deep hole. <laughs> and so the last day of the trip that we were there, I got to see the fruits of my labor as families, as young children, as people were coming to get fresh water for the first time. And there was a young woman that came to the well. She's about 13 or 14. And as I I saw her there when I was working on another project, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And when God speaks to us, it requires a response. And so for me, I didn't know what that response was. So I just, I took time to pray. Simple prayer, and I remember it very well. It was, Lord, will you just be a heavenly father to her? Will you protect her from harm? Will you give her a new opportunity in life? And I had no clue what that prayer would mean at that point or even years later. The next morning, we packed up our stuff. We left the jungle. I hoped that maybe we would see this young woman again, but uh, didn't see her again. We, We flew out, came back here. Then two years later, I decided I wanted to figure out if missions is what I'm to do. So I went and I lived in the Amazon for three months. And while I was working at a home for young women that had been exploited called the Hope House, I was doing electrical there and I recognized a face. It was a girl named Mardida and she was the girl from this village. And I found out the story is that her her father had passed away. Her mother had married another man and this man was abusing her sexually. And he was selling her to other men in the village. And I didn't know the power of a simple prayer in the jungle saying, Lord, will you be a heavenly father to her? Will you protect this girl from harm? Will you provide her with new opportunity in life? And I didn't even know what that would mean years later when my my wife and I, we returned and we see that she's not just a girl recovering in the home. She's now training and equipping young women that had gone through the same thing. This is Acts. Acts 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, 
Of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. What this means is that God doesn't care about our title. He doesn't care about the who you are, where you've been. God has a plan specifically for you. And it doesn't come from any level of status. It is something specific for you. He's no respecter of persons. So how are you? You see, God is looking for everyday people to carry out his will. What is he preparing you for? How are you in your everyday? How are you carrying out the gospel for him? Dallas Willard, he says this, the obvious, well-kept secret of the ordinary is it is made to be a receptacle of the divine, a place where the life of God flows. So in our ordinary, God can turn that around to make it something so much bigger, something bigger than we can imagine. I think about the story of Moses. You all know who Moses is. And we, we remember him as the guy that led the Israelites out of Egypt. But do you remember who he was before? He was fearful. He couldn't speak, he said. You know, he was slow of speech. And there was this passage, I'm going to read to you, where he had been arguing with God, saying, I'm not the one. Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to what I say? The Lord has not appeared to you. What if they say that? Verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that many, or so that they may believe that the Lord the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. <sighs> there have been times in my life where I, I've been like that as well, where I've been afraid, where I said, you know, why am I in this position? Uh, I, I talked to you about how I worked for a company that installed the weapon systems on the carriers. And I remember how, uh, we ran out of the work that I was doing, the specialty work, and I kind of got demoted. I ended up working with the welders, and my job was to be a fire watch. And what that meant was for 8 to 12 hours a day, while the welders are, are helping build the structure of these weapon systems, I would stand there with a fire extinguisher <laughs> and just watch, just in case a fire were to break out. And I hoped a fire would break out just for, just for fun. <laughs> but... It never happened. And I thought to myself, why am I here? Why am I doing this right now? But it was at that job that I learned to weld. I got to watch welders weld. And uh, after a long period of time, I learned to weld. And just five years ago, I, I took a team to Thailand. And as I was in Thailand, I met a local pastor there, an indigenous man who had a broken motorcycle. The frame was cracked on it. And I was able to weld that motorcycle so he could carry the gospel up into the rural mountains of Thailand. So it was in that moment when I was striking the arc on the stick welder, I said, this is why I stood fire watch. 
I think about uh, one of the first jobs I had, I was working with electricians and uh, I worked in old homes, you know, homes that were prior to the early 1900s. So I would be underneath the house fishing wires as they would drill holes into the floor and I would, you know, take the wire and strap it up. But uh, the, the guys that I worked with, they were scoundrels. So they would pour things on me through those holes like tobacco juice or worse. (laughs) I won't go into what's worse. (laughs) But I remember being underneath the house and going, why? Why do I have to put up with this? Like, Lord, I love you. Why? And it was in 2011, I was wiring up a home for young women that had been trafficked, that had been exploited as I was putting new circuits into the fuse panel, I came to the realization, this is why. This moment right here is why. Last, last thing, uh, I worked for my father as my first job, and he, he decided that he wanted to plant an orchard on, on their property on the farm. So I, uh, I was there to help my dad. I was 13 years old. And my dad, he could have bought an auger, but instead he bought me a nice shovel. (laughs) And so they have over 800 kinds of apple trees there. So I drove, I I, I dug a lot of holes, 800 holes. (laughs) And in those moments, I thought, why am I doing this? This is horrible. But when it came time, to dig a well in the jungle. I was prepared for the task. I was prepared to dig. And so my question to you today is what is in your hand? Just like what God said to Moses, what is in your hand? Moses replied, it was a staff, a stick, just a stick. But it was that stick that was used to strike a rock where water came out of it. It was that stick that was raised that caused the Red Sea to part. So for you, in your moments, what are you digging with? What's in your hand? So you, in your everyday ordinary, what are you digging in preparation? What ordinary prayers are you praying? What level of expectation have you set? God is preparing you for greatness. That's what I want you to think about today, that God has great things for you. So Pastor Brian's going to come up, and we're going to take time to pray. Uh, And if anyone wants any prayer, that's what we're here for. But I truly believe that, that this church is special for a reason, that there are people in here for a special reason today that God has been doing a a time of preparation in you because he has bigger things down the road that you can't even see. But in these moments, you'll say, that is why. That is why. Thank you. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.